This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome to this special Gallinach Master Cycling Podcast. It's special because we're focusing on one subject, the impact of cycling on mental health and well-being, particularly for men. I'm Norman Blissett, your host, and I'm delighted to welcome Pete Wilson from Nova Scotia in Canada. Welcome, Pete. Thanks, mate. To John Martin from Switzerland. Hi, John. Hi. And Stuart Nixon from Scotland. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Norman. Hi, guys. Welcome to you all. The reason why I thought this would be a really valuable discussion is is so many of the men who've joined the group, mainly men, not all men, but it's mainly men who've joined the group, tell stories of how their mental health has been improved by cycling. There's lots in the group who describe being unhappy, sometimes very depressed and anxious, often overweight, lacking meaning and direction in their lives. But when they take up cycling, their world changes for the better. And they describe in their stories how cycling has transformed their lives and their mental health for the better. And many cyclists, and I'm certainly one of those, have experienced those those periods of what I can only describe as almost inner calm and connection with the world when out on the bike. And I think, certainly from my perspective, there's something quite spiritual about being so close to nature when your senses are heightened by the effort that you're putting in and being close to nature and things passing by quite quickly and that feeling of the air flowing over your face heightens the senses. And I just, I think it just sometimes you have that moment, these moments, sometimes more than moments of peace. So it's made me delve into the subject of mental health and cycling. And I found there's a strong evidence-based linking cycling with a positive impact on mental health. I'm going to come to that a little bit later. What I'd love to do just now before we get into the science is to hear some more from our guests from around the world. Um, so, Pete, if we can start with you, can, can you take us through the impact cycling has had on your life? I can. Um, and thank you very much for making me part of this. I feel that uh, giving voice to this, especially during these times, uh, is super important, really, really important. So my cycling uh, career uh, or my cycling journey Started when I was in my 20s. I had a beautiful Bianchi uh, road bike. Um, actually, I was in my late teens. And uh, I don't know then, because when you're young, you really don't have a whole lot of, you're not carrying around the weight of the world. Uh, so all I knew was it provided freedom for me. So I cycled a bit through my teens, through my 20s, a bit in my 30s, not at all in my 40s. Now I'm back in my 50s. And when COVID kicked in uh, and we were under lockdown here in, in uh, Halifax in Nova Scotia, Canada, um, was just prior to COVID starting, and I'll be brief about this. Um, I was over at my partner's house and uh, a lot of news reports were coming through. A friend of mine actually sent me a bit of audio about what was happening in Spain at the time. I have. Uh, 
a history of anxiety uh, in myself and the bits and pieces, everybody has it in their family. But that was the catalyst that sent me into a panic attack or anxiety attack that lasted for hours. Um, the inability to process rational thought was the, the, the big thing. And my partner saw me through it. And the next day we talked uh, and not really knowing because you don't, we don't have control in this time. We don't have control in life anyway, but we don't have control in this time. So the next day she said, uh, we were discussing it. And I said, uh, you know, I don't know what happened. She said, you really have to, you have to start taking better care of yourself. You have to, uh, to do something to garner some control over this. So that being said, uh, I began a path of life, lifelong wellness, which I already thought that I was on, but I really wasn't. Um, until we're under extreme duress, we never really know how we're going to react in those situations. So uh, to make a long story long, um, I revisited how I meditated. I revisited uh, how I dealt with stressful situations that through therapy, uh, seeking out uh, uh, over the phone therapy with a great psychologist here uh, in Halifax. <clears throat> and then I had this little, little angel on my shoulder where I was talking to the building super in the wine shop that I work in. Anyway, he said, uh, how are you getting to work? And I said, well, I'm walking. I don't want to take cabs. I don't want to take transit. I just don't want to put myself at risk. He said, I've got an old bike in uh, the storage shed upstairs. Um, why don't I bring it down? You'll give me a couple of bucks for it. If you like it, take it. If you don't, whatever. And it was just like I went back to my youth. You guys all know what I'm talking about. Got on the bike, did a little pedal in the car park inside the building. And it was like I was 16 years old again. And I immediately felt lighter. Immediately felt lighter. And then I started my commute to work, which is roughly about 10 Ks both, way, both ways. And I noticed that I was, my head was clearing out as I was getting to work. As I began my ride, my head cleared out on my way home. And then as I've talked to Norman about my downward spiral or my upward spiral began. Uh, out in the, in the hallway in my flat, I've got uh, a gravel bike, a road bike under construction, a hybrid, and then just a cruiser. Uh, to bring it all into perspective, uh, the trail rides that I've done, the commute to work, the 25, 30K that I do on the weekend has helped me, uh, I call it rolling Zen, has helped me kind of uh, have those conversations in my head that clear out my mind when I'm on my way to work or when I'm going to meet my partner or just moving through life. And I don't know that maybe you guys can define it more clearly. I don't know what it is, but there is a beauty in, uh, I mean, you have to be present when you're on the bike, if you're moving through traffic, but when you're on a trail ride and you have no cars to worry about, uh, and you have no joggers or runners to worry about, there's something childlike, really beautiful about just that rolling Zen. And all you really have to look is about 15 yards ahead of you. Um, to make sure your hands are on the hoods or, 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 you know, or you're in the drops, if you're going for real speed, which I don't, I like the plush path. Um, 
it makes everything, uh, even though you're rolling quickly, it makes everything slow down. And it has been a godsend, excuse me, for me, uh, on my path to long-term wellness, whether it's working on the bike at home and you own that time, whether it's, uh, rolling on my way to work, thinking about the day and how I'm going to deal with it. I had a, I had a crap day yesterday. Um, but by the time I got home and uh, by the time I pedaled home, got in, settled down, blew off the steam from the day and had my first glass of wine, I was choice. Um, and if there are any questions in, in detail that you have about this path, uh, feel free, Norman. I mean, I just kind of gave you the Reader's Digest version of it. That's quick that's, and dirty. That's perfect for, for our podcast. Uh, really f- fantastic. It just it brings, it brings a couple of thoughts that I've had recently into mind, just listening to you there. Um, Pete, about one one is a one is about a post that um, somebody put up in the group a week or so back. Jim, I can't remember his second name. I think I mentioned it in the earlier podcast about he was out in the bike by himself and he had flashbacks to what life was like as a kid and cycling as a as a kid. And I and I, I, I you know I read it and I was thinking the thinking the same and how wonderful how, how what magical memories I have as a kid of cycling and i do think that there's something about us older you know when we, men that when we get on the bikes it takes us back to those carefree times that we had as kids i really do i i do I, it's subconscious but i do think that's the case now um the other, the other thing was that during or just just after we came out of lockdown in down in england here uh, my son who was in his final year at primary school we decided to cycle to and from school and it's about three miles five kilometers or so and uh, so we did that. And I really, I mean, it made a, I mean, I cycle a lot anyway, but it made a big, big impact on me just about how I would do that ride. It's only like 15 minutes or so, 12, 15 minutes, um, uh, well, 25 minutes actually there and back. Um, but by the time I came back, I was in a different place. I was as ready for work. I was kind of in the zone much better, much more so than I am when I just kind of turn up into the office, home office. But the other thing that I really noticed about it was that my son, Finn, chatted to me on the, when we cycled back home he would chat to me and when i when we did it in the car he would you know he'd grunt and you'd never get any conversation <laughs> I, but, the, but there's something about being on the bike together that we would have chats and conversation it was fantastic so there's something there, there is something there about childhood i'm sure and how we how we connect with each other and my partner and i when we uh we took a cycling vacation this this summer um we were in a place called cleveland beach we rented a cottage right next to a provincial park which meant that we had access to the ocean and literally we crossed the street and there was the trail. So uh, I did my first century this summer, which is, which I'm very, very, very proud of. Um, But I noticed that when we went initially, the cottage wasn't, was beautiful, but it wasn't really to our taste. It wasn't perfect. Um, There had been, you know what it's like planning for a vacation. There had been all the little bits and bobs that we were trying to remember. Um, She had kind of clandestinely planned this. Um, so she, rather than renting a, a BMW X3, we ended up getting a minivan so we could get all of our kit and everything into the, the, uh, uh, into the van along with our luggage and yada, yada. So I just remember one morning she had been stressed about work or something and we pedaled across the street we got on the trail and it's elevated. So you actually, once you're on the trail, you look down on the ocean and all the trees, it's like you're up in heaven. And she started kind of this rolling meditation where she was talking about work and what she wanted to fix with work. And she was, and I said nothing for probably 
we did uh, that morning, we did 50K. I said nothing and she just cleared out her head. And then we stopped for lunch. And then I got a couple of words in. And uh, and if she, if she, I, I will not have this podcast accessible to her because I will <laughs> suffer. Um, and then as we rolled back home, we kind of had a back and forth. And she said, I see why you do this now. I feel amazing. I feel amazing. She said, I got all that stuff off my chest. Um, and what turned out to be the 10K that we did, the I think it was the very first morning, turned into a century, 50K every morning, every morning. And even if we didn't say a word, just the wheels on the gravel was perfect. So, um, and we are all, the four of us, we are all uh, big kids. Yeah. Yeah, we get to... We get to go and shop and pick up our, we, I'm not, I, you guys wear Lycra. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. When we I'm last, gonna... when, when we last spoke, I gave you a few weeks before you're in Lycra. So you're, <laughs> even, you're, even, you're even closer to that. That's, that, okay, that's, that, that's fabulous. We're going to um, actually just that last point you made about, um, about how you get things out of your system and how cycling can help that. There's, there's a bit of science actually to back that up as well. So we'll come to that a little bit later on, but I'd like to move on to John. Now, um, and John, you, you, um, if we can turn to you, I know you were made redundant a few years ago and cycling proved to be a really effective way of you dealing with the, some of the negative effects of that. So t- tell us more about that. Um, well, I mean, I've always been a cyclist since I really came to Switzerland when I was 28. And I've cycled, but generally just spring and summer, occasionally at the weekends, putting it in with other sporting activities like hiking. And... Yeah, it went on. I mean, I've been very lucky. I never really had to look for a job. I always was offered jobs. I sort of knew somebody, they offered me a job, and then I'd receive calls and move on. And I got to 60, and I lost my job. And then, that was the first time in my life, I actually had to start looking for a job. And so, I mean, this was quite traumatic. I mean, to start with, the first sort of month, you're sort of relieved. but I'm someone, I've never had a lot of confidence in my own ability. Um, I've always underestimated myself. But gradually, during my last, sort of the last 10 years I was working, I was quite successful and I built up this confidence. But then after I lost my job and actually I had to go on to unemployment and uh, had to deal with it like that, um, you know, it was very difficult and I lost a lot of my confidence again. And, but with, I had a lot of time on my hands. I found a part-time job, but then uh, I took up, well, I had more free time. I cycled more. And um, when I go out cycling, I mean, what I like about it really is uh, fresh air, sunshine, beautiful scenery and the exercise. Uh, I mean, I've never really been a fitness freak. I've never sort of concentrated on that. But because of all the activities I've done and specifically the cycling, I mean, even my doctor told me I'm extremely fit. But, I mean, I'm not sort of muscly or anything like that. But, um, and, yeah, it's when I go out cycling, sometimes I'm thinking about, problems or issues in my life or things that I'm sort of uh, worrying about or something. But 
it finds it seems to be a good way of working them throughout because I'm also thinking about other things. I'm concentrating on the ride, I'm the road. Uh, I like putting my rides on Strava and I'm always trying to think of a different name for them. So while I'm out, I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to call it? And you can see I like posting photographs. And so, but I'm often cycling the same routes, but I'm looking for something that's a little bit different. So it's, uh, it's a little bit creative as well. And it just changes uh, what's going on in my head mentally. And of course, when I come back, I always feel much better. And something I look forward to, uh, I think about connecting rides or I haven't done this ride for a time, let's do that. And it, it just gives you a focus. But it's something I really enjoy doing. Like someone might enjoy playing tennis or playing football. Um, it, it gives you a focus and it distracts you from, say, any problems or issues that are going on in your life. And often when I come back, even though I've been thinking about the issues while I'm out, I'm much calmer, happier, much more settled or decided. Or, um, and it's really helped me uh, since I lost my job and now this is... Well, I was 60, so I'm 67. This is a few years back. But gradually, it's definitely helped me build up my confidence again. And with cycling, I, I set myself goals, but relatively achievable goals. Uh, so, I mean, I think always I achieve my goals eventually, but I set myself a goal of 100 kilometers a week every week of the year. Okay, uh, that's... It's, a cup, it's two, three rides, something like that. It depends how long they are. And then uh, I set myself a goal of doing a particular climb or uh, a longer ride or something like that. And when you've achieved these goals and then you exceed them, it also gives you a good feeling. And um, really, uh, I can say it's really helped me to get back my confidence and, um, yeah, I don't know what, what I would, especially during this period of pandemic, I don't know what I would have done if I couldn't have cycled. I mean, I live on my own. Uh, luckily in Switzerland, we've not been, had such a severe lockdown. I mean, we've still, we can, we've still been able to go out and exercise. Uh, and I generally go on my own. And the police and that when they pass, they've never said anything. And uh, so I'm lucky I could go out cycling the whole time. And I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had it. I mean, if I'd had to stay inside all the time and just allowed out for 10 minutes a day or something like that. I mean, I can imagine the difficulties some people are having under those sort of conditions. I mean, terrible. I mean, especially, okay, I live on my own. So in a way it's, little bit difficult because I'm on my own but if you're living four or five people in a very confined space I think that's probably even more difficult and much more mm. stress stress and pressure um so no for me I mean when I come back I always feel great <laughs> absolutely no doubt about that and then I'm sort of thinking about what ride I'm going to do next and uh so it's a, it's a, in a way, it's a bit of an occupation, but I mean, I like it, you know, <laughs> and it keeps me fit. 
Well, it's obviously doing you doing doing you good. That's that's for sure. But that but that point about I think it was Fr- France and Spain, wasn't it? During lockdown, you were confined to your house pretty much. You weren't even, I mean, you weren't out for exercise at all. I, I just you know the but not, let, let's leave aside whether from a clinical epidemiological perspective that was right or wrong. But certainly the impact on 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 individuals must have been horrendous not being able to get out and get their exercise and get fresh air and yeah terrible Uh, i mean okay now we're coming up to winter so i probably won't be cycling so much it will become too cold eventually so now because i can't actually travel anywhere else normally i would travel to italy or somewhere where it's warmer to cycle but so i bought an exercise bike so at least i can do that and uh, yeah and I'll go out for a walk or something like that. But going out, it's just connecting with the atmosphere. And it's funny, I mean, uh, even while I'm out, like I went out yesterday and then I, I went to the furthest point on my ride. It's about 25K. And then there was a farmer. He was coming down the road behind me, so I moved to the side of the road. And then he waves to you, but it's just something like that, very small. You feel connected. You know, you feel connected. Someone has been nice to you. You know, they've given you a wave. They've acknowledged you and the fact that you moved out their way. And it's a tiny thing, but it can make a huge difference. And, and yeah. when I stop, I go to regular cafes and then get to know the people that own the cafes, work there. You have a little chat and, it, it, you know, it's just incredible. You know, it's just going out and connecting with people, connecting with the world. And then I appreciate, you know, the scenery and how lucky I am. And uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. No, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, well, John, you've, um, John has just posted up, or we've posted up for, for John, the his bike ride from Nice and Côte d'Azur up the Col de la Madone. Madone? Madone, Col de la Madone, yeah. Madone. Above, and, above like Monaco, mostly. Yeah, and the, what, what, it's, a, it's great anyway, but what I liked about it was your photographs of the drummer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you stopped and chatted to this uh, drummer, and the drummer's wearing a polka dot um, jersey, I noticed it's, it's as well. Actually, so it's one yeah. of the ones, it's a jersey that, Carfor throws out yeah, yeah. watching the Tour de France because he travels all over France. In every year, he goes somewhere different to watch the Tour de France, and so oh, each time I see him, we stop and have a chat. And, yeah, that is just amazing, you know. And you know, you stop, you have a chat, something like that, which is so unexpected. And you go back and you think, you know, that's just incredible, you know. Like I, I went out and the other time I saw the tightrope walkers. I mean, yeah. That's- <laughs> It's just incredible, some of the things I've seen, you know, and it's just amazing. You know, just yeah, yeah, I get I get that. I get that completely. The other day I was um, cycling and I saw these two squirrels on telegraph wires across the road. And they were both they were chasing each other over this um, over this cable across the road. It wasn't wasn't quite as dramatic as a human being doing, but it was kind of it's one of these little special moments you just see. Some- <laughs> um, okay, so um, thank you, John. Let's 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 move to to Stuart. There's two parts to your story, Stuart. But let's talk, let's start with the first one about the difference cycling has made to your life. So t- tell us a bit more about that. Um, I've spoke to you before. And all the, I mean, I grew up in Salaam in the west coast of Scotland. Um, 
which is a, still is a very deprived area with drugs, alcohol, violence, etc. Um, but I, I grew up in the area, and I I come from an amateur boxing background, um, which kind of helped me through. The, no, no, just kept me fit, but gave me that discipline to kind of stay on a with the criminality, you know, in, in, in sort of uh, difficult situations that I've seen a lot of uh, people in my area get through. So boxing, boxing was great for me. Um, then you come to a point where you realise you're, you're going to be the middleweight champion of the world. Um, and, and it kind of sort, sort of loses it, loses its appeal, and you become uh, the training gets a wee bit harder, and then you feel yourself getting hit when you shouldn't have been hit. You know, they're almost kind of. Uh, so, so I stopped boxing. Um, coincidentally, around about that time, I got married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, had a uh, my son was born. And was always looking for that thing to, to, to replace what boxing gave me. You know, the, the sort of the buzz, the, the excitement. You know, and I tried five-a-side football, I tried golf, bowling, you name it. I, I couldn't get it. Um, so the, the years kind of rumbled on and I was probably sitting about 16 and a half stone. Um, I don't know what that is in pounds or, or how you guys could kind of but it was certainly really, really heavy. Um, and, and I resonated with what Pete was saying earlier, you know, riddled with anxiety, riddled with panic attacks, um, really debilitating panic attacks. You know, it's a horrible, horrible thing, thing to happen to you. Yep. <clears throat> and I was helping a mate of mine move house, and he was a triathlete. He was fit as anything. You know, you cracking guy, known for years. So I've helped him move house. And he had a, an old old road bike. He said, take it, Stuart. It's the same kind of deal uh, Pete was talking about. Just take it, see how it goes to you. So I cycled from my house to, there's, there's an old school uh, along from my house, um, just in a straight line. So it's, it's five miles, there and back's five miles. And I came back from that, and I remember it as if it was yesterday. Um, I came back from that cycle ride. I was absolutely burst, exhausted, and fell on the couch. But at that, knew I had found it. I just <laughs> knew I found it. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Pete. I just yeah, knew man. it. And I was exhausted and laughing and emotional about, got it. I've absolutely got it. So it's a cycling then, uh, just it's, it's part of me. Um, I've got I've got three bikes. Um, <laughs> I've got my road bike. Absolutely, I've got my road bike and I've got my touring bike. Um, and my touring bike's obviously heavier, um, but I, I can just stick my tent in the back, all my gear, all my camping stuff, and just go. And from the second I leave the house, I'm on holiday. For the second I leave the house, I'm on holiday. I've got a mate, I can go touring with. Um, I've been all over Scotland. Um, we're planning to do Land's End John O'Groats next year. Um, but cycling and, and like John, I couldn't imagine cycling not being part of my life. Um, it would 
it would be it would destroy me. I, I couldn't. I, I literally couldn't cope. Um, and, and that feeling when you're cycling, and it just comes out of nowhere. That burst of wow, man! Oh, this is amazing. You know, could the top of the hill? It could be a bottom of the hill. It could be the point of exhaustion. It can be. It's just that burst that you're lucky. You know, life is good. Um, and also that feeling that, that I don't think anybody ever really, really conquers mental health. I think we keep, what we do is we can keep it at bay. You know, we, we can keep it at bay. And that feeling that you're, keep, you're really keeping it at bay is better than any feeling I got in boxing. You know, it's just uh, that feeling good and not worrying, not stressing. Um and where the the problems become smaller. You know, I, I could be cycling, I could be really, really stressed about work or what's going on at work. Uh, that could be a Friday afternoon. I could wake up on a Saturday morning and go, oh, no, no, I can get out on a bike and come back and the problems will come down and I know exactly what I'm going to do to manage them. You know, and, and, and cycling gives me that. Cycling... Uh, It couldn't, it couldn't, nobody could take it away from me. No, I would, and Peter John said, we're all big kids at heart, you know, and when you're looking at new stuff on the internet or a new bike or new yeah. clothes or new shoes or this one, oh, I like that one, you know, and it's all that sort of childish sort of innocence that it's a, it's a great feeling, Norman. I mean, hmm. cycling is... I mean, I know we're going to talk about it and stuff, but especially during the pandemic, and John John was saying at the really height of lockdown here, I went on a really long cycle away up Bridge of Weirway that you, you'll know, Norman, and, and kind of cycling past, and there was a kid at a window, you know, and they had the rainbow. Uh, she'd obviously drawn a wee rainbow, you know, for support of the NHS, and I'm also here. And, and she was at a window, and, and I caught her eye and she waved you know and, and it was like that kept me going for days just thinking about that kid that took the time to look at this old idiot dressed in lycra with a cycling helmet on <laughs> you know, blowing a gut getting up a hill and her house at the top of the hill and she waved and it was just it was it was the best feeling Oh, it's it's a resurgence of, of just feeling good, you know, and, and weigh anxiety and, and weigh panic attacks. You forget how feeling good really is. You know, and, and you, you kind of take it for granted. Um, but certainly cycling is... I'm fitter, I'm stronger, I'm healthier. Um, my wife will sort of say, you know, you're so much better to be around. You know, you're, you're just everything's better. Everything's better. And, and it is because of cycling. Absolutely, 100% to do with cycling. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Joe. I think I really recognise that. Those connections, particularly with kids, I love that when you when you cycle past and they've got some kids and they wave at you and, yeah, you wave back. And can't, some cyclists don't wave back. I can't, can't understand I that. Yeah, 
But I'd love to hear more about the second part of your story as well, Stuart, uh-huh. because you're you're a social worker, yeah. and your organisation uses bikes as part yeah. of a, part of the recovery for the homeless yeah. people that you work with. So that that that's really interesting. Tell us more about that. Certainly, I work for an organ. I'm head of services for an organisation called Sign Community Scotland, and we work with uh, homeless people uh, experiencing trauma and addiction. So. I knew about I knew about the organisation before I applied for the job. But I applied for the job, and I remember going to the head office, and there was a bike, you know, just just sitting in the reception, and I just thought, oh, some, somebody's obviously a cyclist, and that, that's a good omen, it's a good sign, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I went for the interview uh, and got the job. Still nothing about bikes. I just it was weird how it how it came up. Um, spoke with directors. Uh, they're like mates so, since so, so I got the job so I was um, I went to uh, one of the services <laughs> there was two bikes and I was like okay they went to another service and, and there was two bikes here and I thought there's something going on here you know since so, so the uh, director and he, he told me he was an absolute cycling nut <laughs> um, so so within Simon community we have Bikes to each service that service users can use for appointments, uh, doctors, job centre, benefits, and they just the bikes are there. They can just and I need to can I say within each service that's two and a half years have been the Simon community. None of these bikes have been stolen. None of these bikes have been damaged. They get maintained. They get serviced. Um, they might go missing for a couple of days, but they always come back. Um, so the certainly director, within we've got a few, our head office is in Glasgow City Centre, we've got a few what we call hubs and other buildings. He done away with all the wee sort of vans that we had, you know, to transport stuff, and bought cargo bikes. So you'll see Simon community staff zipping about Glasgow City Centre with these big cargo bikes uh, moving stuff. We've got the street team in, in Glasgow and Edinburgh who support uh, rough sleepers. And we found that with bikes uh, and with electric bikes, we can reach the more difficult to reach rough sleepers. You know, that are uh, in the most difficult of places um, that you kind of get down with a car, etc., etc. Um, staff get 20 pence a mile after cycling to and from work for home um, there's I think we have 10 delivery of I think about 9 electric bikes for staff to try out to see, see if they like them um, so that the whole kind of cycling culture if you like is embedded uh, within Simon community and certainly the service users get the benefits Um of the bikes within the service, um, every day um, they're on the bikes, you know, and, and sometimes it's, you know, you've been a service and there'll be a service user waiting and somebody else coming back to the bike because he wants to go on it because he needs to go to see his sister and he needs to go and do this or needs to go and do that. Um, so, I, it's um, a massive help in terms of recovery, in terms of helping folk with addiction, um, trauma, it's a great it's a great tool and it's a great not just because I work for them because I kind of stumbled I just applied for the job because I was looking for another job 
Um, but certainly the, the whole culture of well-being uh, within the organisation for both staff and service users is massive. Ab it's absolutely massive. Um, and again, at the centre of that is, is cycling. It was clearly meant to be, Stuart, wasn't it, that you were going to Absolute, get that? I do, I do believe that. <laughs> it was fate. Absolute Actually, fate. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, um, when we spoke about this before, I really recognised what you were saying. Sometimes it can be really hard for <clears throat> for us to recognise how difficult it is for other people. And that that, mm -hmm. that, achieve, that sense of achievement that people that you work with and your services, oh, just be able to jump mm. on a bike and go for a doctor's yeah. appointment or it's yeah. something that we would just take for granted but actually for, for some of those people that's a major achievement that's transforming their lives and on a bike it's wonderful to hear we, we had launched a you know what Norman the cycle to work scheme yeah so cycle to work scheme guys is uh, staff can apply uh, and essentially get a loan from the organisation um, that they pay back monthly um, and it's tax deductible and all, and all that kind of stuff so um, the director had challenged me to kind of advertise it within the work, if you like, to cycle to and from work every day, which is great. But the round trip for me was 70 miles a day. Um, so I'd done it and uh, we kind of launched the cycle to work scheme. It went off the chart. It literally went off the chart. We, we, we couldn't cope with the amount of staff that, 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 that were applying. Um, and it was, you know, the, the finance uh, department, the HR department were like, you know, this is, you know, people really, really uh, took to it. And, and cycling is, it's, it's really embedded in the organisation from service users, uh, worse, uh, street teams who, who, who are out at night uh, checking and supporting and rough sleepers within the services, it's everywhere you go in Simon community, there is bikes. Yeah, it's good. I think, I think it's important to keep HR and finance teams on their toes. I'm, you know, I say that as, <laughs> as an HR person myself. Absolutely. Um, just the final point on that, Stuart, you told, there was a great um, little story you told me about when your director was being interviewed on television. Oh, that's tell us, tell us that's really good. So, uh, director Hugh, um, He's been interviewed in television by the BBC. So he's got one of the bikes you know, with him, you know, and, and the BBC are, are going to interview two of the service users. So it was, it was near the service. It was outside, but it was near the service. So two of the service users were walking by, didn't recognise Hugh, and started to take the bike off him because he thought he was stealing the bike for the service. <laughs> so this is going to film with the BBC and he's trying to explain, no, no, it's much more your bike. <laughs> so, so that'll be in BBC archives somewhere. Uh, oh, brilliant. If you try to get a bike and explain to the service, he wasn't stealing the bike. I meant to have a look on YouTube to see if it's, it's, probably, it's bound well, to be I on there. So if you find it, I will honour you'll be indebted to you. <laughs> yeah, see, if, maybe that's uh, one of our tasks after this is to go away, see if we can hunt down that uh, that video. That would be really good. Well, th thanks thanks for that, Stuart. And just just um, just to kind of come back to what I was saying a bit earlier on about the science, I just want to go run through some of the things that I picked up when I was doing a bit of research about this. I and mean, this is thanks to Men's Line in Australia for this, for this summary. So... First is it improves your mood. Regular cyclists often talk about the cycling high, and we've mentioned that uh, 
a few times cycling pumps blood around the body at a greater rate so that allows for spread of endorphins and good substances like dopamine and, and serotonin and so on um, it promotes positive mental health so self-esteem depression anxiety and stress are all positively affected uh, through exercise generally but particularly cycling has been shown to be one of the most effective activities for well, us both you know physically and and mentally helps you sleep better so regular cycling helps synchronize what something called your circadian rhythm can help reduce levels of stress hormones that make proper deep sleep because it's not just sleep we need it's proper deep sleep it kind of makes makes that um makes that easier to get into as well and something i didn't realize it improves your memory. So there's science there that says uh, riding a bike helps to build new brain cells that are responsible for memory as well. Nice. And to your, to your point, John, uh, that you made earlier, was it improves creative thinking. So there's something about the regular uniform movement of cycling has a relaxing effect on the brain, kind of stabilising physical and mental fun mental function, but actually enables more creativity. So, you know, I think there's science to back your, your experience. Um, and it and it promotes new th thought patterns that that um, the feelings of calm and well-being. It's a great way to zone out, and you can even use it as a form of meditation. So what you were saying earlier, Peter, that it's not it's not just how you and your partner ex experience it. There's actual science there that says that's 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 right, and and you can get better at that by actually getting tuned in to the the motion of cycling. So thinking about the rhythm of your breathing, the wind in your face, the movement of your legs, and all these physical sensations that you get um, clear, can help clear the mind and just get you into that in, into that zone. So the, the science is there for all the things that we've been talking about. It's not just our perception. It is actually the uh, the reality. And of course, there's all, the, there's all the physical benefits as well around slowing down the aging process and decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, and and so on. So yeah, it's so out there, isn't it? The evidence is there. Pete said about the rolling zen. I'm, I'm yeah. going to use that, I think. Hmm. <laughs> the other thing too is, uh, and I don't want to, I don't mean to just jump in, but um, you were talking about the little girl that you saw with the rainbow in the window. Cycling is, it's, it's not just cycling itself. It's for me anyway, it's a path of long-term wellness. So there's a lot of things connected to it. It's diet, it's, uh, I still smoke two cigarillos a day. So it's getting those out. It's proper consumption or learning um, uh, how to consume um, uh, wine or whatever or food in, uh, in moderation. And it's also, I love this term. A friend of mine mentioned this to me remembering the blue sky. No matter how dark things get, um, the same thing. You, you, when you, you saw the little girl, or I'll pass cyclists and some like you have guys in full kit that are just like they're in the tour de france in their head and good good on you go enjoy but you'll pass some cyclists when you're out running errands or when you're just going nowhere which i love which and you'll just get that little tip of the hat you'll be out on early sunday morning i'll be out at seven or eight o'clock and there's nobody on the roads except another cyclist and that little tip of the hat that, those things help you remember the blue sky. But I think the important thing for us to put forth is, yeah, cycling is our, uh, is our church. But in order to, to really uh, get the benefits from it, we have to connect it to other things for our long-term wellness and the long-term wellness of the communities that we live in. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agree with that. Thank, thank, 
Thanks, Pete. So let, let's start to wrap up now. Um, so, Stuart, you're you're a professional. <laughs> um, so how, how can you got you know, I mean that in a you know professional experience of cycling and and the impact that it can have on on people's lives um, and particularly people that have got mental health challenges. So, what what can we do? to encourage more people who have got these challenges to, to, to get into cycling and to see the benefit of it? It's a difficult one, other than just encourage those around you to to to, to, to try cycling. Um, but something that I've always thought of is try to kind of think out of the box a wee bit. Always think, if, see them, if manufacturers advertise their bikes as a well-being tool, yeah, I always think the first brand that does that really in a big way is going to take off because they're missing a trick. They're absolutely missing a trick. You know, if one, if one of the big brand uh, cycling advertises a certain bike, it could be a hybrid bike, it could be, you know, a bike for everybody, if you like, um, and advertise that as well as the kind of design and the structure and all the benefits of it, if they advertise that as a well-being tool, I think that would be massive. You know, because you know, male suicide in Scotland is is horrendous levels, absolute horrendous levels. Um, depression, anxiety, and, and then you stick COVID on top of that. You know, drugs, alcohol. So uh, for me, I, I certainly encourage those around me to cycle. Um. And I've got a lot of new cycling, really close friends, but they're cycling friends, so they're that bit closer. Um, so just tell people you do it. Be passionate about it. But there's four guys. There's four guys here who really, really believe in the benefits of cycling. Um, you know, and, and that's how we've got to take it to people. Um, how to do that in a big, organised way. I think coming from the manufacturers and guys like us backing it up. Yeah. I think that's a really good point about the manufacturers because I, I mean, when I look at bikes, I, I look at it for aesthetics and yeah. technology and so on. But for the vast majority of people and, and the people that design the bikes are doing the same thing. So they talk about it in the same way for the vast majority of people. That's not very interesting. It's it's the it's the impact of cycling. That's really what's the not not what you cycle on. That's the important thing. That's a really good point. I, yeah, I've not thought about that before. I think I'm sure yeah, that's right. And I, th- I think I think as well. Something I always tell the actual shape and dynamics of a bicycle. Yes, you've got all your Tour de France types, your Pinarellos, and you know, but the basic shape of a bike hasn't changed. Hmm. You know, it's something that's it's just there. It's just. That's the way it's meant to be. And you can tinker with it and you can have be finer points done to it, but the basic shape and basic frame of a bike hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good point. Pete, John, anything you want to add to that? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, uh, everything you said is brilliant. And honestly, while I was, while you were talking to, I was kind of writing things down like, okay, so I look at us as brothers or as family now. Uh, so how do I go to my local local bike shop and go, okay, so we need to, uh, there's one bike shop in particular in, in Halifax. Uh, they're kind of the anti-bike shop, which is cool because anybody can kind of walk in. You don't feel that intimidation factor, but 
it's how my obligation to to uh, you guys and into this conversation and to myself is okay. So we've had this conversation on a Friday afternoon. Now I have to take some of my personal time and get the get them interested in using not the, at the manufacturing level, but at the bike shop level. Maybe it's Rolling Zen. Maybe you get out every Sunday morning for Rolling Zen. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what kind of bike you have. Just get out and enjoy. If you've never cycled before, especially for guys, I'm 54. So especially for guys in their, their 40s and 50s, just for to be able to ride with that crew and that age group would take away a little bit of the intimidation factor because you're not rolling with somebody who's in their 20s or 30s. So the wheels are turning for me now. And I'm actually going to... to uh, record some voiceovers when I leave here and I will be riding my bike. But while I'm rolling, I have to figure out, okay, so how can I take what we've talked about here today and make it um, a tangible, active thing? So I'll keep you guys updated, but uh, Stu really, yeah, Stu really inspired me to, to go to the bike shop level and go, okay, do you have bikes that you're not using? Uh, can you make this part of your raison d'etre or part of your your schematic to to draw more people in to do it, um, to feel that joy or to feel that euphoria or to to have no place to go but to have the means to get there? Fabulous, fabulous. Thanks, Pete. Joan, final word with you. Yeah, I think your idea of setting up this online cycle group. I mean. Yeah. You've only been going for about, what, a month or something yeah. or a bit longer? And what have you got, four, 500 members already? Don't know. Yeah, nearly I'll 600 be... now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's clear that they're a cyclist of all abilities. Uh, so it, in a way, I, I mean, I, I think going the manufacturing idea is a good idea i think the other ideas are good ideas but i think this was a fabulous idea and it's a good way yeah. of pooling experiences and like you're having weekly podcasts and so you're discussing that and then we're having special podcasts like this okay people post about their experiences and i mean that's why i like sort of um i like posting on strava and then on uh, on galanax as well i mean it's just a way of sharing my experience but i sort of quite enjoy doing it it's it's a bit of an occupation and so i wrote up that ride i'm going to write up other rides so it gives me also something else to think about and uh but i think also i like to share it with other people to encourage them and give them an idea of other places to go uh maybe they want to go on holiday or something and i yeah i think uh i think it's a great idea starting uh, this uh online group I think that's a great way. And it will be spread further by word of mouth as well. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you for that. So that's us, that's us coming to an end. So thank you, John Matten from Switzerland. Thanks to Pete Wilson from Canada and to Stuart Nixon from Scotland. Thanks, guys, for being so open with us about your experience experiences and, and coming together today so that's the end of this podcast if you if you enjoyed it please leave a review and and rate us and rate us as high as you can of course and and watch out for future podcasts so thanks very much goodbye <laughs>